0: partnering with local organizations and citizens to invest in programs that address our community's health needs. Bloomington Health Foundation, improving health and well-being takes a community. More at bloomhf.org.
1: From the Milton Metz studio in the IU Radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. This week we're talking to Indiana University President Michael McRobbie about his goals for the university and what's to come. You can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. You can call in questions uh, at 812-855-0811 or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at Indiana Public Media dot org. Uh, Michael McRobbie's been president since 2007, and you've been on the show many times, but it's been a long time. It's been three or four years since you've been here. I'm delighted to be well, back. Thank happy, you. Happy
2: to come anytime, Bob. Well,
1: we're <laughs> happy to have you here. Um, so is about to celebrate its bicentennial, mm-hmm. so it's 2020. It's just less than three weeks away. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about the significance of a bicentennial year for
2: a research university like IU? Well... I, I, I think the, the bicentennial is an opportunity to celebrate the university's evolution from uh, what it was when it started, which was a one-room uh, uh, seminary, as of course we originally were, when we were formed with ten students, all men of course in those days, and uh, and one faculty member, from that to... Uh, a massive, um, world-class research university with a hundred thousand plus students, forty thousand plus faculty, uh, faculty staff, and um, part-time staff as well, uh, and a budget appro- approaching uh, four billion um, dollars, and, uh, and and a, and a university that is the state's namesake flagship university, and that has a major effect on the number of graduates who. Join the workforce uh, in Indiana and, uh, and and a university that has a major impact on uh, uh, innovation in the state through the research that is uh, funded at IU and that we carry out at IU. Last year, nearly seven hundred million dollars of uh, externally funded research, which was of course a new record for us. But it also gives us an opportunity to um, to reflect um, on. Uh, the the nature of that history, what the, the 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 good parts, the the great aspects of our past, but also the areas that uh, maybe are um, uh, more uh, problematic and a little harder to, to to wrestle with. So we've tried to make the this year the the, the year of the bicentennial a, a year of both celebration and reflection on on the university, but it also gives us a um, a place where we uh, we can uh, use as um, uh, really a finish line for a whole range of different initiatives. So you mentioned before our bicentennial strategic plan. Well, in uh, June of next year, we will present the final report on that bicentennial strategic plan to the trustees. Uh, what's been accomplished? I believe pretty much the whole plan will have been um, will have been accomplished, and then also the conclusion of our hugely successful bicentennial campaign, uh, the the For for All campaign, um, which originally had a goal of $2.5 billion, and then I raised it to three, and we've exceeded that. And uh, uh, we will, um, at the end of June next year, we will announce what the final figure is, and we expect it to be well in excess of that figure. So all those kind of things will be a whole stack of building dedications and groundbreakings over the next six months. We've already had quite a few. Um, and all of those are in the context of the Bicentennial. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, this gives you the opportunity, it seems to me, to really connect the university with the greater state of Indiana right. and the Hoosiers. One of the things that you launched that's connected to the Bicentennial are the, the Grand Challenges. Right. I believe right. there are three of them in the works right. now. And I wanted just to get an update on the Grand Challenges and, and why that was important to you. I mean, you, you basically said we're going to cure cancer or at least one, one form of cancer. Yeah,
2: right, right. right. <laughs> well, uh, the, the, we we felt that um, uh, th- that the the university being a, a, a huge um, institution with the great bulk of the academic programs in the health sciences uh, in the state, and then and then a, um, a partnership in in IU Health with the Methodist Health Group, that uh, that there were challenges in the state uh, that. Uh, that rather than take them on piecemeal, we could take them on more comprehensively by aggregating our resources. Uh, We invest a considerable amount in in research um, every year, uh, but but it is um, spread out over a whole variety of different uh, projects, and we felt this was a way of concentrating what we were doing, concentrating recruitment plans in uh, a number of our departments and other programs. And uh, that was what led to the... Grand Challenges program. The first of the Grand Challenges is in the area of precision medicine. The whole goal of that is to uh, use an individual's um, uh, genetic information to tailor uh, cures or treatments specifically for that person. So you're not giving somebody uh Treatments that are known not to work with people who have that particular type of genetic makeup, or the other way, conversely, uh, that is known to work for somebody who has some genetic abnormality. Uh, and uh, th- there's been a lot of breakthroughs made there, and that's that's been uh, uh, been very successful. The second project is uh, prepared for environmental change. Um, it takes as a as a given that there is environmental change happening. Uh, and that um, uh, rather than um, uh, ignore this, uh, it uh, is uh, aimed at developing public policies that will enable the state in particular to uh, be able to prepare for the impact of those changes and to put in place policies to uh, address the impact of, of uh, those changes. And then finally, the, the uh, responding to the addictions crisis uh, 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 grand challenge is is uh, really focused on what has emerged um, in the last five years or so. It's just an appalling scourge, just in particular in the Midwest of of um, of addiction and and, uh, and and carnage caused by the um, uh, free availability of, of deadly drugs. Um, uh, I believe the worst ever in the history of the country. Uh, and using the combined resources of um, IU, IU health, and working very closely with the state to try to have an impact on uh, on, on those uh, those terrible problems which we f- seem to be feeling particularly acutely in the in the in the midwest. So, they were three areas where we felt that we could concentrate and focus our resources and our research and uh, our personnel. Um, to try to have a measurable impact um, in in those three areas.
1: I think I might mention before I turn over to Sarah, we've had uh, Janet McCabe on a couple of times oh, to talk about right. Uh, right. the second one. the environment, She's the head of the, the second preparing one. Preparing yeah. for environmental right. change. Right? Yeah.
3: So. And, and we just hosted that show on climate change, too. And one of the questions that we got from several people, and the folks on the panel didn't know the answer, but perhaps you do, there's been a lot of pressure on universities across the country, and I know IU has been under some pressure to uh divest its its investments from fossil fuel companies i'm wondering if that is something that is even being considered at indiana university
2: well the the investments are actually made by the foundation mm-hmm. uh, and the foundation has an independent board uh, and has an investment committee uh, made up of um, independent members of of the board who who have a a primary fiduciary duty to uh, maximise the returns of the various gifts that have been made to the university um, over uh, a long period of time. Uh, hundreds of thousands of individual gift uh, agreements have been made with with people over over probably a century now. Um, and uh, so they endeavour to invest that money for the, the best possible return now um uh, trying to address the issue of um what uh, what areas one should and shouldn't invest in because of um those kinds of considerations gets rapidly extremely complicated because if for example you're buying uh, 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 uh shares in uh, in in funds that um are basically modeling. Um, the uh, the Dow or something like that. Um, uh, we we you may have uh, as many as uh, 500 companies in a particular fund. Uh, those companies themselves have investments, and and so it, so it goes on. So so determining what you were to cut out and what, what you didn't is 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 very difficult. And I think that's the issue that the um, uh, that the investment committee of the foundation has had, and it has. It has also taken the position uh, that um, uh, that it, its primary duty is to, to maximize the returns on those investments because, remember, those are the returns that come back to fund scholarships, fellowships, and so on back in the, in the university.
3: I do want to give you a chance, too, just to talk about the, the things that IU is doing to be a good environmental steward. Oh,
2: the uh, – there was a, a report that uh, Vice President Tom Morrison gave to the board, I think, three or four board meetings ago, the Board of Trustees of the university, um, and the, the impact of um, all of the various measures, both, both um, the, the fact that all new IU facilities have to be at least – or renovated facilities have to be at least lead Silver certified – and many of them in fact turned out to be lead uh, uh, to qualify to be lead uh, gold certified impact of that the impact of of um, a comprehensive plan to move to um, uh, LEDs um, uh, across the across the university for for lighting um, the actual impact of the renovations themselves turning old drafty um, Inadequately heated or cooled buildings into um, basically buildings with modern standards in that regard has actually resulted in a net drop in energy uh, usage, um, uh, relatively speaking. Uh, and and that and as we continue that that, that process is is continuing um, at the moment and will certainly continue. I think until we get it to where we want it over the next. Um, a couple of years, at least, uh, the the impact that is going, going to continue to be to be had in the in the university. So that's that's something I've been very pleased about, um, and uh, and we will continue to look for opportunities to to reduce the energy usage of the uh, of the university as as a whole, and consequently to reduce the carbon footprint of the university as a whole. Whether we can ever get that down to, to zero, I think, is it would be um, extremely difficult. We, but we can certainly k- reduce it further, and we'll, we will continue to do so.
1: We're talking with IU President Michael McRobbie today. If you have questions, you can send them to us at news at org, or you can call the show and give us your questions, to 855 811 in Bloomington, or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us, uh, or yeah, I already told you, you can send us questions at news at dot so, uh, President McRobbie, there are a lot of things that when you set out to uh, be president of the university that you laid out that you wanted to do. I, I remember, you know, I was, I was there in the early days. There were seven major things uh, that you talked about in 2007. I'm sure you've added to the list since then. Mm-hmm. A couple of them I wanted to ask about today is you, know, you talked about the, the transformation in research and scholarship. Back back in the early days, and that's a very very broad topic. But there have been a lot. There's been a lot of transportation or transformation in just the structure of the university with new schools, mm-hmm. new programs. Can you just talk about
2: you know how well you think that's gone since uh, since two thousand? Oh, I I think the academic transformation of the university um, is probably when you look at it historically the the greatest of the universities ever seen. Actually, um, certainly since. Um, The period of about a century ago when uh, uh, many of the major schools of the university were being formed um, under uh, President Bryan. Uh, uh, So we've seen 10 new schools reconfigured, uh, merged and what have you in various ways, but 10 new schools formed in the university in the last just six years or so. Um, And uh, I I think those have have, um, utterly transformed and and will um, completely transform the university in in future. Um, I make no secret of the fact that I think it was um, extremely unfortunate that the Bloomington campus uh, never had a program in engineering. And uh, we were finally able to get approval from the Commission for Higher Education for that program in engineering. Now, the impact of that is not going to be um felt uh, in any major way overnight but uh, we're now just finished we're now in the middle of our third class um the, next year at uh, commencement we'll have um uh, uh, we will have our first graduating class in in engineering which will be wonderful um but uh the the the, the impact of of engineering in the context of our excellent programs in the basic sciences is going to be huge in the in the future of the university. I mean, you just have to look at um, what I think of as being our major competitors in the in the Big Ten, and they both have the uh, two I regard as our major competitors, Wisconsin and um, and Michigan, both have uh, large engineering programs. Now, ours is very much focused on what we call intelligence systems engineering, which incorporates things such as artificial intelligence and neuroengineering and so on as well. Uh, but um, these are the emerging areas of importance in the future, and those are the, going to be the opportunities for us so then when you then when you add to that um, uh, the, the the transformation of what used to be called hyper of course into into public health, now an accredited school of public health uh, and uh, now graduating uh, certified professionals in in public health uh, the new um, Eskenazi school of art architecture um, uh, d- architecture and design. Uh, Again, architecture was a program we didn't have before. We now have that. So we have engineering and architecture. Architecture, of course, based in in Columbus, which has been very important as well. Um, The media school, and you're very familiar with that, Bob, uh, which has aggregated all our strengths in in an area that clearly had already started to function that way in uh, in the outside world. And I think we continue to... Um, be balkanized in that regard and I think the success of that that school is indicative of that. Um, The reconfiguration of our um, school of education uh, all all of this uh, has had a major effect and that's just this campus alone. Um, And you combine that with the impact of online education uh, now uh, over a third of all IU students do at least one IU course Um, we have over 2,000 Courses online, over over um, well over a hundred degrees online, uh, and and so on. And you combine that with the uh, just approved by the board last week. Actually, our new um, strategic plan, plan for collections, which for the first time ever, gives us a coherent way of looking at the preservation and curation of the university's information resources which include the digital information resources, which now are so critical to all our faculty from anthropology to zoology, all of the work in that kind of a world. Um, that has, in, um, in the space of a decade, I think, really transformed the whole academic research education enterprise at Indiana University. Mm-hmm.
3: I know we got a question about this. A, a couple of folks have asked <clears throat> about just the strategy for dealing with declining enrollment. Yeah. What is the university doing to prepare for that? So, so um, th-
2: this is, th- th- this is uh, a sort of complicated area. Um, you've, got, you've got a number of converging factors happening here. The, f- the first of the demographic change is the fact that there is going to be demographic decline. We know that. Um, because uh, you just have to look at the high school, uh, you just look at the um, the birth rates and the and the number of students who are now in, in school going through uh, into um, into high school to know there's a there's a decline coming back. Actually, but after that decline there's going to be an increase again. So you've got that on the on the one hand, but on the other hand, you've got what I call um, a flight to um, to to value and quality, and and by that I mean. If you look at the cost of going to a private university, I think it's got to a point where all except the Harvards and Yales of this world are starting to price themselves out of the out of the market, and people are they're saying, "Well, should we be spending fifty, sixty thousand dollars in tuition alone to send our student to this small private liberal arts institution, or just send them to IU for tuition that is?" Considerably less than that, and where the total cost of attendance is maybe a third of uh, the cost of attendance at a at a, at a private. Um, I've actually had this discussion with uh, President Daniels at, at Purdue, and he and I are completely in agreement on this. And uh, and I think that is that's the factor behind why we're in fact seeing an increase in the numbers at the Bloomington campus. It's uh, so our second record freshman class. Um, we expect next year uh, to to be a record again, um, and so I think what you what you're going to see with the combination of these two factors is a is uh, is certainly an increase um, and a worse stability on uh, in the big flagship campuses, uh, Bloomington, West Lafayette, for example, in um, in uh, Indiana. Um, but where the pressures are going to be are going to be on our regional campuses, and we just had a presentation at the board uh, last week on this. So, um, our, in, in addressing this problem, we're focused very much on the problem of the region, the problems of the regional campuses, uh, to address the um, what they have already seen to be declines, um, how to try to arrest these declines, but how to reconfigure them so that the present. Situation on the regional campuses is really going to be um, the, the way of the future, and, and not just a temporary blip while they wait for the good times to come back. Um, uh, I think I think this is more likely to be um, the steady the state position than, than on our regional campuses than it is uh, to be um, uh, to, to be a low point in the in the history.
3: I'm yeah. Well, I, I just wanted to ask one follow up. When sure. when the state pushes manufacturing so much and vocational education, does that really affect IU's enrollment? Then, do you see any? I mean, oh, you were saying you have record a, enrollment. A,
2: so. abs- absolutely, because um, uh, th- 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 what um, what in part the state has been advocating uh, very uh, vigorously for, and I, I've been with Governor Holcomb in a number of uh, meetings in this regard, um, uh, is is um, uh, state-of-the-art manufacturing, which, of course, means AI and robotics and things like that. So, you, of course, you need people in technology. I mean, um, at, uh, the graduates of, of um, the, what is now, of course, the Luddy School of Informatics, Computing and Engineering, the graduates of the Luddy School rapidly get jobs. Um, there, is a, there is a significant tech boom going on in Indiana, in particular in Indianapolis at, at the moment. And... Um, I talked to the C- the CEOs of uh, many of those companies up there they're finding it hard to get enough tech talent uh from um, from the numbers that were already graduating they they could take all the graduates that we could that we could uh produce so um uh, people in those areas obviously people in the health sciences uh, there's there's no shortage of uh of uh take up for those jobs so obviously we in, in IU health i'm well aware of the need we have there for Uh, not just doctors but uh, uh, other medical uh, professionals, nurses and others. Um, And uh, in the Kelly School, uh, I I think the figure is that uh, every Kelly graduate has got a job within six months, or I think it's less than six months actually, and so on. So it it goes. The the transformation of hyper was important here too. You've got um, a school that now has a coherent focus on public health and graduating uh, students or many of the students... Um, who are now in the health sciences focused on uh, issues in the health sciences in a in a state, sadly, with some of the um, um, uh, the, the the lower uh, numbers when it comes to the various uh, indicators of uh, public health.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, I'll, I just wanted to follow up briefly on the regionals because we had another question that came in about the regionals. And, you know, so I wanted you to to talk a little bit more about what strategies could be employed. This question just said, you know, what does IU need to do or what, what role do you see the regional campuses playing as time goes
2: on? Yeah, well, the regional campuses are immensely important. Um, uh, they're, depending on how you count, there's, there's, uh, there's five to, to seven of them. Um, and uh, they – uh, they collectively provide a a, a footprint uh, where um uh, the great majority of the population centers of the state are, uh, are within 50 miles of a the regional campus of um, Indiana University um and uh, uh th- 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 there's a, there's been a a combination of things i mean o- obviously um Greater attention to the methods of recruitment are important, but I think one of the one of the important areas is is retention uh, Once you get the the students in um, uh, once they enroll um, it 's it's in their interest to complete their degrees um, and and so when uh, the three chancellors of the three campuses that 'd be most affected. Presented last Thursday to the board of trustees, uh, uh, much of their presentations were about strategies for um, improving re- the retention rates from from freshman to sophomore and 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 uh, and beyond. There's a significant number of people who have not completed degrees in Indiana, so so adri- um, so identifying people in that in that category and uh, doing what doing uh, what we can to uh, assist them in completing their degrees. And that's where online education comes into into play because someone who may have started a degree and never finished it, uh, I mean, they've invested in that degree. They may have picked up a lot of debt, but they know they haven't got the job yet to, that would have helped them pay that debt off more quickly, of course. Um, so uh, But they may now have a job and may not be able to go back full-time, but they can at least do online courses. And that's why online education, I think, is so important for... The whole area of degree completion uh, in in this regard, and for really for helping people who start the degree and they're about to drop out because they, they they have pressures to to get a job and so on to to transition them into an online uh, structure which will enable them to finish their degrees that
1: way. All right, we're going to have to take a short break. We're uh, about halfway through our program today. We have IU v- President uh, Michael McRobbie here with us. We're talking about. Uh, challenges facing Indiana University, successes that IU has seen in the uh, 2020 bicentennial. We'll be right back.
0: From the Milton Met Studio at IU's Radio TV Building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. WFIU News covers south-central Indiana and the state throughout the day at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at WFIUNews. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live, and you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe now at WFIUNews.org.
1: Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from WFIU and WTIU, along with Sarah Whitmire, my co-host here today. We are talking with uh, Michael McRobbie, the Indiana University president, about a number of issues. You can follow us on Twitter, at Noon Edition. You can send questions to the show, news at indiana org, And you can call us, and our producer will take your questions at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. So, you know, my question to start the second half is, you know, it seems like we're in a world where sometimes, you know, truth and science uh, don't seem to matter as much as politics and emotion. Um, You know, there have been some specific issues on campus. we dealt with a professor that that was using some, uh, Eric Rasmussen, who was using some... uh, um, some publications to sort of propo- pro- promote certain points of view that um, I think most truth and science don't necessarily agree with. Uh, you know, where, where does the university sort of um, fit into this new world in dealing with the, the, these issues when sometimes the things that you really want to focus on, truth, science, um, aren't believed or aren't, as, aren't taken as fact?
2: Um, well let, let me let me say uh, quite unequivocally that that um, Indiana University stands for truth uh, uh, Universities are um, and i think uh, in general have always been certainly in this country um, uh, uh, overall, I think they 've been the great repositories of truth, and I think uh, historically. They have been the great repositories of of human knowledge, and in human knowledge lies the foundations and, and essence of of, of truth. Um, I, I, I this has been a topic of uh, I think maybe my last three commencement addresses. Actually, yeah. I have spoken about about this uh, to to try to, uh, to to make this to make this point. Um, and uh, uh, and the, the, and of course the the, the problem is that. If you abandon truth, it's not long before you degenerate into barbarism. I mean, I think it's as simple as that. You you degenerate into relativity, relativism, and, uh, uh, and everybody's views is as, as good as as uh, someone else. There's no standards for adjudicating between what's what's right and wrong, and uh, you 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 move towards uh, a very dark, bleak future by doing that. So I think. Um, in these times when there is uh, um, so much uh, pressure on uh, on on um, truth in science and uh, truth in, in other areas that it is absolutely vital for the universities and Indiana University to continue to s- stand for truth and that truth is the fundamental arbiter in uh, the sciences and the other disciplines at Indiana University. If
1: I can just... Uh persist a little bit, it seems that it kind of puts you in an interesting situation sometimes because, you know, politics and, you know, what kind of finances are going to come your way, what kind of support are going to come from the politicians, sometimes there's a lot of division in those groups, and, you know, so how do you, you know, how, how do you as a university president and your colleagues who are university presidents sort of negotiate this need to get along with all the politicians— all the public officials, but at the same time, make sure that you're focused on science and focused
2: on truth. Yeah, I I I must say that um, that uh, I uh, in in the well certainly the period I've been president. I think before that, um, I I have always um, found the the state to be um, actually very supportive of the university's efforts in um, in 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 research. Um, the, the cases that we have made to them for um uh, funds um, obviously the funds to to support the operations of the university but funds in particular for capital facilities uh, many of which have gone uh, to the sciences have always been well received and um and 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 it's rare that i I've, I've ever um uh, found these sort of contentious issues actually have come up in our, our dealings with the state legislature i mean i i uh, a situation where I think now for five consecutive budgets we've had small but and modest but nevertheless increases in our operating revenue and uh, each biennium we've had in the range of $100 million of uh, new capital projects is a vastly better situation than some of our colleagues in other, in other states and uh, so I'm very grateful uh, to the – to the state from that, and, and have, have said so um, publicly and privately on on numerous occasions uh, uh, to them. Um, the, it's certainly the case that that um, there there are um, there have been complex and uh, difficult um, discussions on on some areas of, of science, but that's principally been with funding agencies in uh, uh, in, in Washington. But but there, um, I, I found. Uh, uh, for example, the, um, uh, the the head of the office of science and technology for the president, uh, Kelvin uh, Drogemeyer, who I actually knew before he um, before he went to that office, Kelvin was here a couple of months ago and 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 spoke very well about his views. And Kelvin is uh, uh, Kelvin certainly is a is a great s- supporter of uh, of of uh, the importance of truth and science and and what have you. Um, and I think that's that's been the case with all the all the agency heads, where the issues have sometimes arisen is where Congress has wanted to um, uh, I- intervene as to what areas of research should and shouldn't be done. And by and large, those areas have been, I think, negotiated though not without some difficulty in some cases. Uh, but um, I, I think, on the whole, the the nation's scientific enterprise is still in in. Um, uh, uh, good shape, uh, mm-hmm. but is not without um, its challenges, and those challenges could grow in the future. Mm-hmm.
3: I want to ask about I think the trustees approved it last month this optional testing mm-hmm. change. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and how that would be um, how that policy would be in, in place on the different campuses Well, it
2: basically allows the campuses to um, uh, to decide uh, whether they um, want to um, use uh, standardized testing uh, for uh, as the admission criteria um, uh, on on those on those campuses, uh, which is our present policy, um, and uh, although at the same time we um, reserve the right to assess any student holistically, so in in a sense. Um, We've already been in a situation where testing has been optional because we are able to to go to to use the higher standard of holistic evaluation for, for students. But this this does provide the campuses with the ability to move away from that uh, if if the, if they wish. There. So, and this, of course, is something that is happening uh, nationally. Um, it's the subject of a um, I think a pretty extensive debate at the moment in uh, in California too. That you're probably familiar with
1: one of the things that you said very early on you know one again one of those seven points that you made early on was uh you thought in IU's future there needed to be much more rigorous admission standards and i think that that's been part i think the student
2: body probably reflects oh, yeah. that at this point. yeah yeah we've seen uh, on the bloomington campus we've seen a, a significant increase in the quality of the student body while at the same time the student body's growing and uh and that's true on the regional, the regional campuses as, as well, something we've been very proud of. Another thing that you uh,
1: mentioned then and mentioned, continue to mention a lot is just the international footprint of Indiana mm-hmm. University. Right. And I know that you've opened some gateway offices, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the, the student body is, seems to be more international now, and there are more people going overseas. So how, how well has that initiative gone for you, and, and what, you know, why is that important?
2: Uh, well, um, and here I here I'm quoting um, Governor Holcomb uh, when he uh, when I actually interviewed him uh, at the Hamilton Luger School for Global and International Studies uh, a couple of years ago, um, and uh, and I asked him a, a question about globalization, and uh, and his words were I think almost exactly quote unquote uh, there's no turning back uh, when it comes to globalization. So um, even though Um, We may find that it's going to be uh, modified in various ways and maybe um, uh, pressures will be brought upon just how um, extensive its impacts are and and so on and so on. There's a lot of complicated questions there. Uh, uh, But nevertheless, there's, there's hardly an area of the economy that isn't affected to greater or lesser degree by global forces. And I think this is going to continue into the into into the future, so I think it behooves our, our students or opposed of the university to um, provide an education that exposes our students uh, to the world and I must have spoken to hundreds of students over the years about their experiences studying abroad, if not more than hundreds um, and to a person they will all say that it it was transformational for them to study to study abroad so the thing that that I think we're we're most um, pleased with uh, in terms of um, improving and expanding the international engagement of the university is uh, is study abroad. So we continue to rank number six out of twelve hundred odd universities ranked uh, in the in the country uh, for study abroad. Now about a third of all, and this is on this campus. Third of all, Bloomington students have studied abroad when they when they graduate. The number keeps increasing. Um, people are confident we should be able to continue to increase that number. Uh, and and so on top of a, a, a first-class, world-class education that students are getting on this campus, uh, those who study abroad are also getting that transformational experience. Uh, and, of course, we complement that by um, an international student body, which brings the world to IU, um, and uh, and there we, we continue to rank highly in terms of the number of international students we have, although we've seen that number decline a little as it has um, elsewhere in the country, principally because of the decline in Chinese students. Um, uh, and then on top of that, though, we've um, expanded our engagement with major research universities overseas and established uh, five offices, um, Beijing, um, uh, Berlin, New Delhi, uh, Mexico City and Bangkok. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: If you want to give us a call uh, with a question, 812 811 or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indiana org, And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition.
3: We got a question from Pam Davidson wondering whether uh-huh. IUPD will... <clears throat> Cooperate with the criminal justice reform study that the county is doing in the lead diversion program.
2: I confess, I I'm not familiar with the details of that. We can always uh, try and get an answer to Pam on that on that uh, on that question.
1: Okay. Um, so, what excites you about 2020 for Indiana <laughs> University?
2: <laughs> oh, many things. <laughs> right. um, well, it's it's uh, we're going to see on on 20 January. January 20, we're going to see um, a a, a, a collection of um, activities that that are about as broad as one could expect. Now, that day is also MLK Day, so I'll I'll comment on that in a minute. So um, we start the day in the morning with the commissioning of our new supercomputer, which is appropriately called Big Red 200. Um, and uh, uh it 's an it 's a, a supercomputer that 's fashioned yeah can
1: you talk about that yeah. a little bit the supercomputer <laughs> for those of us that uh don 't have
2: supercomputer what it does right.
3: why right. we need this right. yeah <laughs>
2: well it, I mean a supercomputer basically is a is a machine that that has both the processing capability and the memory capabilities uh, to be able to carry out computations that are Orders of magnitude greater than what you can do with even the most powerful server or desktop computer, and so you can do with such systems, let's say in hours what would take your desktop system uh, months to do, and and that's so accelerating the pace of scientific discovery, and and um, and even allowing you to do things that you sometimes simply can't do on a desktop computing a computer or what you can do with a with a supercomputer. Now, since I mean I've been in. Working in this area for a long, long time in my career, but um, what's changed in recent years is that the supercomputers are now 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 have hardware um, uh, that are part of them and are configured in ways that are optimized for the kinds of computations you need to carry out in areas of artificial intelligence, deep learning, and those kinds of areas. So the system we're getting, Big Red Two Hundred, will both will both do the kinds of computations that you know, physicists, astronomers, chemists need to be able to do uh, that they, they, they can't do on their um, desktop machines, um, but also carry out the kinds of computations that our faculty working in uh, artificial intelligence, neurosciences, and those kinds of areas want to carry out as well. So it's we, it really is, strictly speaking, an AI supercomputer. So, that's, so we've had, um, actually from early on when I... First came here when I was the vice president for information technology. When we acquired our first super- supercomputer, this is depending how you how you calculate it. This is the fourth or fifth supercomputer that we've acquired because what is a supercomputer today in five years' time is no longer a supercomputer. So you reg- you have to regularly replace them, and so this this is replacing our previous Big Red Two system of a few years ago. Okay, so you're going to well. be
1: dedicating that, right? dedicating it. And
2: okay. um, at lunch we will be. Um, Unveiling the the new portraits in President's Hall uh, that have been commissioned of Light and Truth, we felt that we should have something artistic to um, uh, so some piece of art to celebrate the bicentennial. So that that has been uh, funded by the Wellhouse Society, and uh, uh, one of our faculty members has painted uh, painted those, and they'll be unveiled then. Uh, then it'll be that'll be the uh, noon on that day will be the first official. Ringing of the bi- of the carillon, the bells of the carillon. Um, we're still finalising what we're going to play. Um, it'll be formally dedicated later in the year, but that'll be the first official uh, ringing of the bells on the on the carillon. Um, and then we will also be unveiling what's called uh, Mega GIF. I don't know if you've, you've probably seen this. So so th- this is the this is a digital reconstruction. Actually, it's a it's a physical reconstruction based on digital models of a the skeleton of a giant uh, ground sloth that used to inhabit Indiana that died out about roughly 8,000 years ago um, there was a perfect skeleton of it that um, to our enormous shame as a university was disposed of in a cleanup. up um, and this is big this is 10 foot by 8 foot high and so on oh, or 8 foot wide and needs eight. That, uh, slot oh, it's, it's, now, it's, right. oh, it's a terrible mind. episode <laughs> so there are a few pieces left there's a couple of other ones there are photos our scientists, I mean, just brilliantly have used that and have reconstructed Megajef, and that's going to be, um, it's uh, Megaloni Jeffersoni, I think it's his Latin name, because Jefferson was involved in uh, in this. It's going to be unveiled. Then um, uh, later that afternoon, Viola Davis is the award-winning um, actress, will be receiving an honorary doctorate and uh, be giving an a, a, an address. Um, and then that night we will we will unveil another piece of art, which is going to be the fourth cycle uh, mural cycle in uh, Right Quad of the history of the university. And This will be the history of the university from nineteen ninety eight, where the last one led, um, led off, uh, until um, basically this year two thousand nineteen.
1: So. It, that's done, all in one day. That's all in one day. <laughs> <laughs> and what, so what day is that again? January
2: twentieth January January. 20th. Okay.
1: January 20th. All right. So you know, having said all that, you know, you you mentioned the art projects, and and I guess I want to, that was another thing that you talked about from the beginning. But the the place of arts and humanities at a major research university, I think that we talk a lot about you know the economy, how the university is is contributing. To the economic well-being of the state, uh, research, so discovery, helping people stay healthier. Talk about arts and humanities and the importance of that.
2: Oh, um, uh, I, I think the, uh, the 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 arts uh, are, are, are just an enormously important part of of the history and traditions of the of the university, but um, also. Uh, they're, they're a vital part of a comprehensive liberal arts education which of course is what we pride ourselves on providing to students here and um uh this this is an area i mean i'm i'm very pleased with just what we've been able to achieve in this area um uh you you mentioned my inauguration address uh, bob one of the things that i committed to and there was the university cinema and we actually got that done and uh it has exceeded our wildest expectations in terms of its success, and has I think been a brilliant addition to the to the cultural life of the of the campus. And then, of course, um, uh, the transformation of of the uh, IU Art Museum, already a fine art museum, into the Eskenazi Art Museum with the very generous gift that uh, Sid and Lois Eskenazi gave us. Um, has turned what was already a magnificent museum in, into just a stunning world-class museum. I hope you've been to see it because it is uh, it is quite extraordinary. And then um, just, uh, I think it was just last week, we closed the Lilly Library for its first ever renovation, um, and that will renovate what is one of the great jewels of the campus um, uh, into a vastly more appropriate museum uh, 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 facility for those books. I should add, and this is a first, so you're getting you're getting this this news before All anybody right. else, we just received a, a half a million dollar gift from the Lilly Endowment to paint a cycle of murals in the reading room of the Lilly Library to make it a, a destination place for scholars and others to, to come to work. So we'll be commissioning an artist right. soon to do that cycle of, of murals there. And then of course the transformation of the Well, the the combination of the Glenn Black Lab with its incredible collection of um, Mississippian uh, civilization material and the Mathers Museum of World Cultures into the new IU Museum of Archaeology and Anthropology. And uh, that's been funded by the state in particular with the direct support of um, uh, Governor Holcomb, who's got a great interest in the history of the state. We'll be closing that later next year uh, for its complete, comprehensive re- renovation and uh, and conversion into that uh, that new museum. And I could go on, but yeah. the uh, and the carillon, of course, you know, was yeah. another one of the right. things we've achieved. Uh,
1: so we only have about three minutes to go, and I, I just want to ask you. I know you're you're under contract with the university through the June of, 2021? June of 2021. June. June of 2021. June of 2021 as president, of the university. So. What's left undone? What do you you know? What are your key, the your key fo? What's your key focus going to be for the next year
2: and a half? Well, um, I I think like I mentioned my my contract allows uh, a negotiation on extension at some point uh, by mutual agreement, and I can exercise that next spring, and uh, so I'll uh, consider whether I want to do that. <laughs> so who knows you know what might happen after that, but um, uh, I I think um, we will have achieved the. Complete renovation of, or uh, pretty much close to complete renovation of the whole physical plant of the university or campuses by that by that point, um, and and that is a, a massive achievement for us. But um, uh, the uh, I, the new regional academic health center will only just be getting underway, and then in um, Indianapolis we have an even larger project up there, which is the academic health center, which is I mean the one here is about half a billion. Indianapolis is about 2.5 billion. So it puts it in perspective how huge that project's going to be. And that project is absolutely vital to the School of Medicine, too. So those are big projects looming on the horizon out there.
1: Yeah, I can't believe that I didn't mention the Academic Health Center as we <laughs> discussed this. I always remember how we surprised you
2: with that, book. you <laughs>
1: did, yeah. I thought it was going to be somewhere else. But <laughs> it, was, it was a big surprise.
3: It's all, before we wrap up, yeah. I do want to mention IU Athletics. Uh, yes. The football team has been very successful. fantastic. Yeah, Headed to a yeah. bowl game. Men's soccer, women's, women's basketball is a Women's basketball, yeah. Start. I
2: mean, just how good are they, the women's basketball? Basketball, you know, we, we, I mean, they're ranked 12 now. I mean, they may crack the top 10 in the next uh, the next week or something. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. I couldn't be more proud of the football team and Coach Allen. They did a they did a fabulous job. There was only two games I think that they probably were outmatched, and there were other, another two they probably could have won. They could have gone ten and two with a little luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was it was quite a season. Yeah,
1: and, and just just to say though, uh, you know, the success in the field is one thing, but but these are kids who graduate, yes. and and the yes. university seems to be doing things the right. Way. I mean, there are, a lot, there are a lot of pressures in athletics to just win, win, win at all costs. Right, and, and
2: we should never forget that they are students first and athletes second, as I right. always call them student-athletes, yeah. Right.
1: Okay, we are out of time. I want to thank uh, Indiana University President Michael McRobbie for Pleasure. sharing an hour with us today. We'll have you on sooner, you know, before, you, before you, uh, you make your decision. You can make your decision on the air about what you're going to do next. All right, I want to thank uh, President McRobbie and thank you to Sarah Whitmire. Uh, Benta Boutier, our producer, and Mike Pashkash, our engineer. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber Internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from The Herald Times, featuring coverage of local news, entertainment, and sports. In print at heraldtimesonline.com and on your mobile device